Um, but at the highest level, you, you want to make sure that it's not too pitchy, you know, that they don't pitch too hard. Um, that tier below for the people that are the just getting started out of guys, maybe you can bring in a little bit more pitchy, but I think with the high end guys, you want to make it a, you want them always to get value, always to feel valued. That's the key. You want them to feel valued. And you do that by bringing in people that deliver, not people that are trying to take And but it just, whatever's outside of your wheelhouse, just you bring people in that can help with that. If you're like me, and know that free enterprise is the greatest opportunity in the world, but you also see there are huge issues starting to arise, like why is mentorship decreasing in popularity? Why do entrepreneurs like us who love to succeed see people fail at the top and never leave true significance? And how do people like us make a lasting impact on the world, and is it possible for enough entrepreneurial leaders together to make a real difference? These are the blaring questions, and this podcast is the answer. Journey with me, your host, Christian. Together, we will challenge the status quo and conquer our legacies. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I'm your host, Christian D. Evans. And guys, as you can see, I'm outside in this beautiful sun because why? It is April and we are enjoying the sun. And guys, we have an incredible guest on today because the reason why I want to have him on is because he's been around the block in so many different avenues. Uh, but the thing is, it's about experience. It's about developing. It's actually about results. And I wanted to bring him on because he's got the results. He's been able to produce incredible amount of results, not in only in his life, but also in others. And so we're going to dive into a lot of cool things definitely in the coaching consulting world on how to create a lot of you know uh, other income streams on top of what you're already doing and producing and creating and so this man is an entrepreneur at heart and enjoys helping other business owners develop and implement strategies to grow their business he has been utilizing online tools to build businesses since 1997 like i said he's been around the block when he built rmtg billings mountain-based software company from a six thousand dollar investment into a multi-million dollar, 30-employee company that built a pharmacy system still in use at Albertson SuperValue. This man in 2005, uh, 2005, excuse me, retired from RMTG and realized that the best way for most business uh, businesses to market effectively was to use integrated online marketing com- campaigns to drive customers through their do- doors. Now, this man, my friend, please welcome Doug Miss McIsaac. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Great. I, I wish it was as sunny as warm here as it is uh, where you're sitting. So it's a, it's a cool April morning for us right now. So, and it might well, even snow tomorrow. Well, believe not- it or not, it was, it was literally snowing uh, this, uh, this Monday, actually, and it was just crazy. So uh, that's why I'm outside enjoying it. But hey, I'm really looking forward to diving in because one of the things that you mentioned, because uh, I wanted to kind of dive into it uh, and then I kind of loop around and talk about your journey. Uh, but one of the things you mentioned before this podcast that we, we jumped on is you said, obviously, you've been around the block and my your, your thing that you're passionate about is really helping other consultants and coaches really help you know, develop other income streams, right? Produce what they're already creating and then obviously branch into certain other services and processes that produce better income as well. So I'd like to kind of talk about that. First of all, how did you come to that conclusion in your own life, in your own business? And then secondly, what other strategies are good, um, good extra upsells for other companies? Um, it really came down, I was doing lead generation and uh, for consultants and they kept I get them, they get busy. I'd get them clients and they'd want to pause the lead generation, which stopped my income. And I'm like, you don't want to do that. And I'm like, you know, um, they're like, well, no, but I'm busy. It's like, well, no, you need to keep your lead generation going. So you need to figure out ways to handle the additional business and also create recurring revenue streams. Cause all consultants go through this feast and famine cycle. I went through, I've gone it through myself now, right now about 80% of our business, absolutely all of our bills are paid by recurring revenue in my company. So we don't have to work. We know everything's taken care of tomorrow. I mean, nobody's going to, we know next month's taken care of, the month after that's taken care of. It's all recurring revenue is what we focus on. But I started doing it just because these clients would stop their lead generation. I said, no, no, I need to show you how to create other revenue streams so so you don't want to stop your lead generation. Other ways where you can handle these people. With some clients, like um, one of my favorites, uh, Tom, he does he helps uh, behavioral health care clinics receive their CARF and Joint Commission accreditations, which they need to get to get um, funding from either insurance companies or from states. And he started out with just him and one part-time guy. Now he's got 11 people. For his team, for his type of consulting, there is an online, there's a face-to-face component that's needed because they help them do on-site in- inspections. 
So what I did is I showed him how to bring people on board. And then I showed him how to train a guy to handle all the sales calls. So he didn't have to do it. So with his team, we did that. And once we have started, we have that infrastructure in place. Then I said, okay, how do we keep, how do we keep you? How do we generate a recurring revenue stream for you? And we came up with a, a tool that he uses to keep the people, you know, it's, it's, he charges like $300 a month and he now he has about a hundred clients on it and doesn't sound like a lot, but three grand a month pays a lot of bills and it's, and it's starting to grow. Sorry, 30, that's 30,000 a month. So, I mean, it starts paying a lot of bills. He's doing, he's doing over a million bucks now and uh, it's only going to continue to grow. I think it's a $5 million company. So. Yeah. Well, see what I find so interesting about this, because see, I, I love what your approach is, right? Because yeah. the reality is a lot of times we think so linear, right? right. Oh gosh, you know, uh, I've, I've helped someone and, and I've, I've done my job and now I, I go to the next person. And the reality yeah. is that you want to keep them in your, in your circle, in your tribe, in your community, whatever, because there's always other opportunities, right? When, when you're, the, the, the hardest is the first sale, but the second yeah. and third sale on the back end, it's the easiest. And I yeah. think I, I love what you're saying here. Very few coaches you know, really emphasize that and say, okay, well, what else do they want? And they yeah. create that and then give it to them. And so let's talk yeah. about, obviously you figured out, okay, kind of how that came about in your own yeah. life, but what other opportunities in coaches and consulting yeah. Yeah. are, are they missing that they could add into their own business right now? Well, um, here, here's another example. I have a, uh, I had a client that she, she said, Doug, if I never have to get on a plane again, it'll be the, it'll, it'd be great because she's, she's not, she had a beautiful home, but she was never there because she's always traveling, making, you know, half a million a year, but she is never home. And I said, okay, well, let's look at what you can do. Another way you can generate revenue. Well, with her, it became, we did an online program. So an online course that was consistent. And then twice a year, she did big seminars where people would fly to her. So then basically, instead of having to get on a plane at all. I mean, she only got on planes and she felt like traveling somewhere. And there were one or two clients she visited. But instead of being traveling all the time, she set up an online program that was relatively simple where people could come on. And she just basically took her, her standard training and moved it online and was able to add people to it. And that was that was a big revenue stream for her. And then when she added in the two big seminars couple times a year where she helped the people essentially get certified in her methodologies. That was also a big bump each year for her. So um, it, you know, every client's a little different. I'm, I'm not a, like I've been around, I say a couple of blocks. Um, most people that are jump into this, that are, that have been consulting for two or three years, they have one tool. They're like, okay, I, I do masterminds and I know how to do a mastermind. And, or they like, oh, you need an online course, you know, you need an online course and, you know, or you need to do seminars, but I've done it all, you know, and I've helped done it all myself and I've done it all with clients. So I go in and I, I meet with them. I have what I call the, um, uh, <laughs> I'm blanking on my own, own name, but I have, a, I have a methodology where I walk you through 12 steps. But the first one is always understanding where you're at, what you have, what makes you unique, and then helping you develop a plan to get where you want to go. And I call it the McIsaac Doctrine. Um, I'm kind of a history geek, so it's kind of like the uh, Monroe Doctrine. So where I help people go from the old, back in the day, was go from the uh, East Coast and the old world to the new world out in the West. I do the same thing with consultants and business owners. So I take them away from the old way of doing business, and I show them how to move into the new way of doing business and how to make it so additional revenue streams and all that, but get away from the way they're doing it. Because most of my clients are guys my age or older. You know, they've been, they've been doing it for 20, 30 years. They're very successful. They've got a good life, but they're finding that the referral sources are dying and retiring. So a lot of that's going away. So to keep the business going, they needed to come up with additional lead generation sources. So we did that. And then they're also realizing that they don't want to travel as much as they used to. So I find things that'll work for them. See, um, for, like when you're dealing with C-suite, typically masterminds are the type of thing you go for. Masterminds, workshops, that type of thing. But usually for employees, we create courses. You know, so it's we don't create a lot of courses for the C-suite because they really value their time. But in the C-suite level, um, we develop more masterminds and programs like that because it makes more sense. And then we do the courses for employees. Um, like one of my, um, well... I had a client that passed away here recently that we had just developed a, a course for, he did a lot of work with great clips and he trained the frontline uh, managers. And 
what we've done is we've taken all of the trainings he do, he's done in person where they fly him in and have him on site and we turn those into a video series. And we were actually just starting to market it um, when, uh, well, then when COVID hit and then when he, uh, then he fell ill and uh, has since passed. But that, that was a good example of a tool. Whereas he might have still done some one-on-one -on -one coaching with the owners of the franchises, especially the multi-franchise owners. But with the staff, he actually, we developed a course that he was going to provide online for them and give them a, a community that they could communicate with them. So it's, with me, it's not one tool. I mean, I have a, I have a toolkit that I've used with a lot of clients and I've used myself because I've built, I've built and sold my agency twice. Um, I owned a consulting company for software consulting company for just shy of a decade. And what we've done things differently. And I just love the tools and I love helping people find ways to make additional revenue without having to be, you know, in, sitting in front of people because too many consultants get stuck. It doesn't matter how much you charge per hour. If you can charge a thousand, three thousand, ten thousand an hour, there's still a limit to how many hours you can bill in a year. So we need to figure out ways that we can make revenue without, without having to do that. Um, even if it's just like uh, one of my clients, when COVID hit, half a million dollars in business left her calendar in three days. So, and um, I had been, she's an old friend of mine. I'd been on her for five years to do more stuff online, but she refused to do online. She just, cause she liked to do in-person trainings, you know, $10,000 day trainings, you know, and um, she refused to do it. Well, I kept hammering on her, you know, nudging her. And finally, um, that was in March that she lost all the business. And in August, finally, um, I got her to start doing some online trainings and I got her comfortable with Zoom and I showed her how to do it and showed her how to adapt her in person to online. And now she loves it. And she's like, this is great. I don't have to fly anywhere. You know, I can do more of these if I want to, you know, so sometimes it's just getting your life back. You know, it's like, because it, that, that traveling is a lot of fun when you're young, but you get a little older and you get, you just get tired of it. You know what I mean? It's like, I love traveling, but getting on a plane every week to go somewhere to speak to yet another group of people, um, like it's, like it's tiring. I mean, once a month is okay, but every week is not. And she's finding that she can do these trainings instead of it taking her three days, you know, a day there, the day of this talk, and then a day travel back. She can do, no, she can do three a week, you know, if she wants to and multiply her revenue without really multi, she's doing more training, but she's not spending more time. She's taking that traveling out of the equation and now she can make additional revenue just by doing the trainings over Zoom. See, that makes perfect sense. And see, I know a lot of individuals, just like you were saying, to reiterate what you're saying is like the one-on-one -on -one coaching, right? And that's kind of their, their, their bread and butter, right? But after they've done the, you know, 12 week program, whatever that may be, then of course, like we were talking about, like, what's the next level for those? Yeah. And a lot of times, Sally, I was literally just talking to someone as well that, okay, they had that program. They were doing a lot yeah. of good acquisition in on the front end, but then yeah. there was never the next step. And so my right. question to you, okay, Doug, uh, as an expert that has many, many channels that you've worked mm -hmm. with, let's say some of our audience are doing about one, you know, uh, that one-on-one, -on -one, or maybe they're yeah. doing group, right? Yeah. What would you, because everybody's always trying to look for that high leveraged activity, right? What's the next yeah. thing that's going to create the best return? That's mm -hmm. not, that's not going to create so much input. Like I don't have to put so, so much energy, but it would create yeah. the biggest output. Right. And right. so my question is because there's so many different strategies out there. Right. Each strategy right. will work, but it's just a matter yeah. of which one will produce the best for them. So let's say you're at one-on-one -on -one coaching now. Mm -hmm. Yep. What would you say is the next level on the back end to upsell those clients? Would it be a mastermind? Would it be information? Would it be kind of more of a retainer and saying, hey, be part of this community for 1500 What does that look like? What would you suggest? For when it's business owners, you know, when it's when it's a C level or a business owner, that level, I usually mastermind is a great way to go. You're usually moving into a mastermind unless there are specific skills that they need. If there's a specific skill set that they need to work on, maybe they need to improve their marketing or maybe they need to improve their communication with their staff or they have specific problems. If there's specific stuff, you create, a, you create programs just for those specific things for them. And usually you'll find that like um, maybe uh, I have a client who she is a fractional CTO and she's developing right now. She's really just getting started. So she's starting, we're building her packages but the goal is she will ultimately have specialized trainings to show people how to set up the processes within their organization. But when, I'm, when somebody is going from that one-to-one -to, -one to that next level, there's the two directions. 
One is if they have specific trainings, and usually it's staff. If there's specific trainings that the staff need, those can be moved into courses and some sort of an online component, maybe of an online community. But with the owners, typically we move them into a mastermind um, where there's actually, where you have other business owners on, other people at the same level or slightly above level. So that that gets the power of a mastermind is why we love them. Because you just get, you get so much more out of hearing somebody else having a similar problem to you and how they solved it. Then, then any coach could give an, an individual, any consultant. You know, even though we talk to lots of different people, we still can't deliver as much value as getting 12, 15, 20 really smart people who are all at approximately the same level in the same room helping each other out. We just we can't we can't do that. But when we do that, it's really powerful. So that's why so I do, yeah, go ahead. No, I appreciate it. I, I think that's just incredible insight just to kind of pivot on, on what you're saying there yeah. uh, to kind of dive deeper. So masterminds, okay? I yeah. love that approach. Uh, what would you suggest in like uh, facilitating like the group size and what as well as like, should you bring like an affiliate, someone that, you know, is part of your network, maybe some higher level or maybe the same kind of like uh, same level as you bringing them as kind of a guest speaker, creating maybe five or six individuals and, you know, kind of pulling your resources. What does that look like? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we bring in when you bring in other speakers, it's for specialized skills. So maybe maybe you're working with um, maybe, uh, for example, maybe you're working with business owners in a variety of industries. You know, they're not all in the same industry. So but they still can talk. They're all service based industries. So they all are talking about the same things. You could reach out and you'd find out what problems they need solved that are outside of your wheelhouse. And then you bring people in for that. Maybe they, uh, maybe they don't know how to read financial statements. So you bring in somebody that specializes in dumbing it down, making it make sense to business owners. You know, So you bring in somebody that'll do that for them. Maybe they have time management issues. So you bring in somebody that can help them specifically with that. Whatever's out of your wheelhouse, you bring in other people that can help with that. Now, they may or may not have other products or typically they'll have other products or services that they would, they would promote. But usually within a mastermind, you don't want them to promote too hard because business owners, smart business owners, if they have, you know, if somebody comes and they get value from them, they will talk to them. They'll reach out to them. And so, yeah, you always, it's always good to bring people in. Um, but at the highest level, you, you want to make sure that it's not too pitchy, you know, that they don't pitch too hard. Um, that tier below for the people that are the just getting started out of guys, maybe you can bring in a little bit more pitchy. But I think with the high end guys, you want to make it a, you want them always to get value, always to feel valued. That's the key. You want them to feel valued. And you do that by bringing in people that deliver, not people that are trying to take. And, but it just, whatever's outside of your wheelhouse, just you bring people in that can help with that. I love that because it's like, don't, don't be afraid to network with other individuals. Like you right. say, you don't have to be an expert in everything, but no. you can, you can network with experts that are better at it. Right. And obviously bring that in. Uh, and, and obviously that's just more value. And sometimes what I always found very interesting, uh, I've never ran a mastermind, but what I, when I've attended, it almost like almost posture that person even higher because it's like, yeah. Oh, that, that was, you know, respectful. Um, because you know, uh, he knows this person, ABC or whatever. Right. Um, so let me ask you this. Okay. With, I just want with to mass- jump in real quick. It's called yeah, borrowed, you borrow the authority. So it's borrowed yeah. authority. Just, just like to some extent, I'm borrowing your authority by being on your podcast. It's borrowed authority by bringing people out in your network to speak in front of those people. So that's what helps bring you up. Sorry. No, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for, for clarifying. And now my question now is I do understand like there's some on the back end as well, like yeah. kind of the retainer model, uh, yeah. you know, subscription model. Um, I've, I love that kind of industry because it does create that, you know, passive side of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, really, you never want to produce that unless it's for a specific niche. Right. So yeah. first of all, who, who would that be? So let's say, for example, information yeah. or trainings, right? Yeah. Uh, I kind of an idea, but I'd love to get your perspective as well as on the back end, higher yeah. end retainers, right? Being part yeah. of a community, yeah. who would that be part of for? Right, right. Like, like um, for, for me, I work with consultants and coaches, but people that are primarily B2B, business to business. And my, um, when I'm working with them one-on-one or within my, within my small groups, um, I am teaching them how they can grow their business with that and how they can focus their business, whether it's building packages or, or building masterminds or that. That's what I'm helping them with. Now, if they have staff that need additional training, either I'll bring someone in for that 
or, or we'll, we'll either find or create a course that helps them answer those questions, though their staff can help develop that. You know, so, so we create like, whether it's like my client that does frontline manager training, you know, if you have somebody that's a frontline manager for you, or you have somebody that does event planning for you, or someone that's your social media manager, we can bring people in to do trainings for that staff as well. But usually we fo- I focus on people that are B2B business consultants and coaches that's kind of my niche. It's a little broad and sometimes, but it's all about, but all the marketing's the same. You know, it's it's the same when they're marketing to, whether it's somebody that coaches Great Clips people or somebody that coaches, uh, um, does speeches at uh, Fortune 50 companies. You know, it's like, it's a very similar marketing style. Um, I have people that do team building. I have, um, I have the client that's a fractional CTO. So, I mean, I have people in a variety of industries, but it's all B2B sales. And B2B sales are very different than a business to consumer sale. And so we make sure that we understand their marketing, how that works, the positioning, the branding, all of that. Um, uh, That's always been the area I've focused in. I've done, in the past, I did stuff that was just for um, digital marketing companies. I did, uh, I called it... uh, uh, local social uh, is what it was, is I sh- showed people how to build a local social media marketing company. Did that eight, 10 years ago. And uh, that was a different business model, but that was one that I showed people how they could do, how they could grow that when it was really just starting. And social media was just starting to become needed. And now it's, you know, if you don't have it in your marketing, I, I, I wrote a post not too long ago that it was like social media marketing is dead because really anymore, it's just marketing. It's, it's just marketing. You know, you don't even need to say social media marketing. If you're not using social media as a channel, your business is gone. I mean, very few businesses can get, can survive today without doing stuff online. So, um, sorry, I went in a circle there, but yeah, that's my client is B2B. I love working with business to business people and this because the sales are similar, no matter what industry they're selling into. Well, you're you're 100 because see, even like LinkedIn or anything like that, you know, B two B. I think they they came up with a um, a stat. It was like 80 percent of B two B sales are actually still through relational, right? It's not yeah. through cold audience and stuff like that. And so, yeah. you know, I do know uh, a lot of coaches, consultants, service providers. Yeah. They are on the the podcast and they produce books. They're producing content. Yeah. And and the thing is, is I'm I'm a little against the concept of just producing content for the sake of producing content. Right. See, yeah. one of the things is you have to be strategic with it. And so I love to get your, your expertise on, okay, how do you be strategic? And mm-hmm. like, I, like I said, it's like those high leverage activities. Okay, when yeah. I produce something, when I do a press release, when I produce yeah. a podcast, how do I effectively deploy that strategically so it produces the best result? It's not just, oh, I put a social media post out on LinkedIn and nobody likes it, right? <laughs> I understand yeah. the long game, but it's like you have yeah. to understand there's some sort of strategic approach to it. And yeah. sadly, I think that's why a lot of people are stuck at that a million dollar mark because they're, yeah. they're doing very well. But honestly, yeah. to be at a million dollars, you only need a few clients at, you know, 20, 30,000, uh, whatever, right. A pop. Right. So right. Uh, yeah. if, if you could explain that. It's that, that, that getting from, uh, from one to 10, that is, that's the really painful air range. Um, uh, what you need to do, um, especially if you're talking social, um, your marketing, when you're being strategic about it, you need to focus on content that shows that you know how to take people along that journey. You know the journey that they're on and you need to focus on content that shows that you understand where they're at and the steps they need to take to get where they want to go. And I mean, that's almost any train, any training is that way, but you need your content to be that way too. So you need the person reading it to understand that you understand them and their problems. It's not always one problem with the business owner, it's usually problems. So that you understand them and that you've worked with people that are like them and help them solve their problems. So you need your content to show that and show that you followed that path. Now, nobody's going to, you know, rare is somebody going to see all the pieces of content, but you need to make sure that your content shows the different steps that you take people through to get them from, if it's from 1 million to 10 million, you talk about the pain points that you're going to hit along the way and you show how you've helped other people get through those pain points. It's good if you've been on the path as well and you can show that you've walked that path, but it's even more important that you can show that you've helped 20, 30, 50, 100 other people walk that path as well. I love it. I love that insight. I think that's just so, so, so true because it's a very strategic way of things. Yeah. Now, let's kind of pivot a little bit. Okay. So, you know, obviously kind of explaining the, the, the different ways of creating that income, 
right? Yeah. Uh, I always think about also um, just the fulfillment as yeah. well as like obviously building out your team. Right. Because right. in order to do that, you have to make sure you're operationally on the back end, which a yeah. lot of people don't think it's sexy, but I think it's very necessary to talk about. Wow. Uh, what are certain strategies? Because as a business owner, let's be honest, we, we love doing our little thing of talking and blah, blah, blah. Right. And we don't really like the operations and the non-sexy things, uh, right. accounting, bookkeeping. So we're not going to talk about that stuff, but we're going to talk about the operations. Yeah. How do you sustain that at a higher level and really grow to that next level, man? I mean, what I did is I brought on a business partner that that excels at that. That's that's what I did. Matter of fact, he's on the other side of the wall behind me, you know. So in our office here, um, so that's what I did. So I could focus on my zone of genius. And I think that a lot of people, consultants, have the same problem. We all have the same problem. We tell our clients. We tell our clients, you know, because entrepreneurs, especially small business owners, don't value their own time. You know, there there is a stage in every business where you are the you are the guy taking out the trash and you're probably the guy that's vacuuming the carpets and all that. But you need to, as quickly as possible, get away from that and get away from doing your bookkeeping. You know, yes, you need to look at review your financials, but you shouldn't be the guy entering information into your QuickBooks or whatever your system is. It's too inexpensive and you need to be spending time on those $1,000 an hour activities, those things that take your business and help it multiply to the next level. Now, not every business is going to have eight hours a day, $1,000 our days, but every business is going to have one, you know, where you're actually thinking about the future. And, and when you're doing content, right, when you are doing sales, you know, making new sales copy, when you're planning new courses, that's thousand dollar an hour activity, because that when leveraged properly is going to help your business grow that extra six figures, that extra seven figures move you to the next level. So you need to be able to focus on those types of things. And you do that by bringing staff on. And I mean, you just need to bring on people that know what they're doing and you need to trust them and you need to get the hell out of their way. Um, I was uh, just listening to a, a podcast earlier. Uh, Dan Kennedy was had uh, uh, the four hour work week guy on and they were talking about, you know, how, how the four hour work week works. And it was, um, and you know how, what he did, you know, he literally got it to where two hours a week, he was actually answering emails. Now he isn't like that now. And he wasn't like that when he was selling his book, but he did that with his business before. And they were both talking about systems and how you need to get to where you focus, you know, like Dan Kennedy, you know, he still does one-on-one -on -one consults, but they're 15, 20,000 a day. And he doesn't do that many of them. And then he's got his He's got his high ticket memberships where you can call him 15. You get, uh, he has like two hours a week that he's open and you just keep calling until you get into him. And that's how he handles those. And he, and he only get like 10 minutes with him. He's, he's, uh, he's built his life. So he never, and, and if you want to meet with him, you have to fly to Cleveland, you know? So he's done that at that level. He's got a, he's a seven figure. Well, he's probably worth closing in on nine figures these days, but he's built his life around that. And it was interesting him talking to Tim Ferriss about how Tim Ferriss did that as well with his supplement company, even though when he was selling his book, he was working 12 hour days. I mean, he was, he was doing that and speaking and all that, but there's, there are times we do sprints. There are times we do sprints, but as long as we're focusing within our area of genius and we're able to bring in people to handle all those things, because the reality is most of us suck at bookkeeping. You know, most of us consult, most of us that are good at strategy and helping our clients grow their businesses, we suck at doing that, you know, so we need to bring people in for that. And the reality is, you know, 90% of those tasks are like $20 an hour tasks. You know, matter of fact, they're, they're $10 an hour tasks, but you pay somebody 20, you get somebody pretty good, you know, so um, we need to focus on getting rid of that as, as quick as we possibly can so that we can focus on growing our business. It's, the whole e-myth, you know, it's like we have to work on our business rather than in our business. And uh, that's usually the first problem I have to help some of my clients solve is to get them away from that. Whether it's handling all the sales calls themselves, um, you know, doing all the books themselves, you know, we need to look at those pieces and start separating them from that so that they don't have to do it and bring other people in. Well, see, what I find very interesting, you're exactly right. You know, even at the million dollar mark, that's yeah. where your head is spinning ridiculously because yeah. you have, you actually have a business that's growing and doing and building, yeah. but then on the back end, you're giving, you're, you're doing too much or you got too many hats on. And the reality is you need to delegate those hats, just like you were saying. Yeah. So my question is during that process, right? Whether it be adding another, another income stream level, yeah. right? Into that, which of course people logically are like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. What are some, um, what are some pitfalls they should be aware oh, yeah. of 
yeah. when they're implementing that? Um, well, you need to make sure that what you're implementing is what your people are interested in. I mean, first, uh, so often we get this idea and we think this is what they need. So then we run off to build it rather than finding out if that's what they want. Because um, uh, one of the guys is like, you know, you need to sell them what they want and sneak in what they need. Um, because that happens a lot too. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like people want to grow their business from 1 million to 10 million. What they really need is to build in a, a operating infrastructure that can support that. You know, so what you need to do is you, you, you know, you need to have them focused on what they really want. But so often we're trying to sell them what they need and that's not what they want. You know, we need to understand what they want and then understand what they need to build to support that and show them that and why that they need to build that to support it. But that's probably the, one of the biggest, biggest issues of anybody that creates a course or in any program. They spend six months creating it and then they put it out there and nobody's interested in it because they, they, you're not, you didn't position it properly or you built something that they weren't interested in. Um, that's the biggest pitfall, the number one pitfall there. The other thing is, is not valuing it properly. Um, and if you're dealing with somebody that's higher, you know, someone that's a high end consulting client, um, you know, you go in and try and sell them something that's two ninety seven a month. They're not interested. You know, it's going to be it's not they're, they're going to they're like that. That isn't enough money. It's I mean, I'm going to be in there with people that aren't worth talking to. So you need to make sure that you're charging enough that they believe in the value of it. And you also need to make sure that if you do a mastermind, that it is people on or near the same level. So you don't, you know, if you've got a group of guys and gals that want to grow from seven to eight figures, you do not want anybody in there that's only doing a hundred thousand, you know, because they have different problems. You have different problems getting to a hundred than you do getting to a million than you do getting to 10 million. So you have different problems you have to solve. So you want people in the room that have the same level, same level of problems, you know, and getting from 10 to a hundred is very different, you know? So you need to make sure that you have people in the room that understand the level because either they're there or they're just a little bit ahead of the other people in the room, but you need to make sure that everybody's at, at or near the same level. And you need to make sure that you're charging based on the level that they are at as well. Um, and then making sure that you are providing information that they're interested in. And it's, it's pretty easy. You, I mean, when you're most consultants, especially when you're starting out and you're doing one-to-one, -one, you just ask, I mean, sure you can survey them too, but I mean, if, if you know, usually if you're doing one-to-ones, you're talking with maybe 20 people, ask them, say, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to get away from doing all these one-on-ones. I want to do a group program. Uh, if I was to build one like that, what would you like to see in it? And you just ask every one of your people that, and you take notes. Um, and that is, that is the way to figure out what it would look like. Now, some people will never want to do a group program and only want to do one-on-one. -on -one. Others will love the idea of a group program. So what you do with the people that don't want to do the group, you can raise, you just raise it until, you know, until it fits the time value you want. If you're at 500 now and you don't want to do them, you raise it to a thousand, you know, whatever that number is for you in the industry and the level of person that you're dealing with. Um, uh, I want to go back before to you're talking about how you grow the business. And there was an interview um, where they uh, talked to Mark Zuckerberg about how did he grow? How did he grow um, uh, <laughs> Uber so fast? How did he grow? Had so many people? And he said, he goes, I only had seven direct reports. So as a business owner, we need to make sure that we're not trying to do everything. And we need to make sure we do not micromanage our people and we don't overstep them. You know, if we've got managers working for us and they're managing the people below them, you do not step past those managers and tell people what to do. You don't want to confuse people. You want to work through your managers because if, if you don't have good management in place, you either need decide if you're going to train them to where they are going to be good enough managers or you need to replace them. You should not be micromanaging and you should not be going down to that next level and, and doing that. You need to stick at your level and work with your managers and have your managers grow the business for you. I love those, those massive, massive insights because see, first of all, the proof of concept, uh, I've got a, I've got a question on that because, you know, obviously when you're developing something, you don't want to, like you just say, you don't want to spend, I mean, how many times have we sent, uh, we don't want to spend all our time and energy on the front end and all yeah. of a sudden they don't want it on the back end. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, how many, just ton, ton of, ton of opportunities like thousands, that. Thousands of thousands of dollars. Right. And so my question is, is how do you effectively identify? And I've heard different approaches where one, you, 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 you ask and you interview people and say, what yeah. do you guys want? Or also what I've heard is you almost sell them yeah. on what they want 
and they create the program on the back end. So, hey, sell, right. boom, boom, sell, sell, sell. What do you guys want? Right. Okay, well, I'll give it to you. If I do that, wonderful, fantastic. You know, give us 5Gs, 10Gs, 100Gs, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then actually create the program on the back end because now you know what they want on the on the front end. Uh, and then my second question as well is um, to reiterate kind of what Doug's talking about, uh, audience, is I, I've always learned about like three years ago, I learned the idea of constraints, right? Which is what you're yeah. developing is like, hey, if you ask yourself the right question, if yeah. if I wanted to grow, you know, a $5 million business within 60 days, how would I do it, right? All of a sudden, right. you put yourself in a constraint, not saying that you're going to, but how would you, right? And asking yourself right. the right question. And then as well as like, um, just like uh, Doug said, you know, if you only had seven or 10 metrics that you had to determine, are you going to, is this a successful business or not? All of a sudden, now you're very, very focused on, okay, what are those seven to 10 metrics, right? And so you're putting yourself in a constraint, not meaning that you can't look at other metrics, but it really positions yourself and saying, okay, if it's those, what are the top 10? I don't want to look at 100,000. What are right. the top 10, right? right? And then all of a sudden, delegating every other metric over, like you, like Doug was saying, to those people and having allowing them to take ownership, not you. Uh, right. So my question, coming back to proof of concept, if you want to add anything into that, um, what is the most effective strategy to creating that uh, and, and deploying it? Uh, because obviously, like you said, that's the biggest hurdle. How would yeah. you say is, is to overcome that? Well, um, the, uh, the best way to do it is like you said, you sell it, then you build it. I mean, that's even if, even if it's a, even if it's a lower level course, you know, even if it's not that high level mastermind, even if it's the lower level, bring a group through it live, bring, bring the first group through it live. And then that way you can ask them questions, find out what it's missing. And you can add that in as you're going, going through it. So you just turn it, you take a, you make it a 12 week program, eight week program, whatever it is. And as you're, as you're building it, I mean, you know what you're going to build each week going forward. You have your outline laid out, you have your plan laid out, but you might not have everything created yet. And you create it as you're going and you make sure that, you know, you find out what was missing and you add that in. Maybe you find that, wow, it'd be really nice if there's a worksheet there. Oh, here, here's the worksheet, you know, and you create that by having people live go through the program. And once they've gone through live, then you have something you can package and sell as a package because People have gone through it and you've gotten and you've gotten their live feedback as you're going through it. That's the best way to create any course out there and any mastermind program, the same thing. It's all about pivoting and and improving as you're going down the rate. Any any program that you're doing, really, you just need to pivot. You do it live at least one or two times, you do it live and bring people through it live so that you can improve upon it. And then then you can just sell it as a package if you want to after that. I love it. I love it. You know, now let's kind of talk a little bit because, you know, with having experience comes mm -hmm. failures, right? Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. Doug, I, I'd love for you to just, you know, uh, share with our audience because I think they need to have the right perspective a little bit about mm -hmm. some of the failures that you struggle with developing, obviously, the successful strategies that you have now. Oh, I mean, you do. You'll run into clients. I mean, one thing will be you decide, you, I'm going to do this mastermind. You'll find that none of your clients want to do a mastermind. You know, you'll find that they're like, I'm working with one-on-one -on -one with the coach because that's what I prefer. Ironically, that's what I prefer. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's like, like, you know, there are some people like that. They just want to work on one-on-one. -on -one. They do not want to work with a group program. If you run into that, you have you have two choices. One is find clients that do want a mastermind, or look at your rates and figure out a way that you can eliminate. Maybe it's maybe like my uh, friend that does trainings that she just moved it to Zoom instead of having to get on a plane. I mean, it's very different to talk to somebody for three hours on Zoom than it is to get on a plane and go see them, you know, when you're spending a day, day and a half to get to them. If you can, uh, like even uh, Dan Kennedy still meets with people one-on-one, -on -one, but they have to come to him so you can restructure your life to fit them. So that's, that's one of the first issues that you run into. Um, the other one is uh, usually a pricing mistake. Usually pricing is the big mistake. Um, uh, I had a client that was selling, um, she wanted to charge individual license fees. To, she was se selling um, front office training for dentists and she wanted to charge a, li a license for each person in the office. Then she was mad. Then she was all mad and concerned that, well, multiple people in the office are going to use this one login. And I'm like going, why don't we just raise the price and charge it for each practice? She goes, oh, 
<laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, you know, it was just like, I mean, I'm like, who cares? I mean, you know, yeah, it was like, you know, how I said, how many people does an average practice have? She goes, well, there'd be four or five people. Okay. So what's our per person rate this much? Okay. Let's charge them this much. And she's like, oh, and that, that was how we solved that problem. You know, so often we, ha- we build problems up in our head that aren't real problems and we just need to solve them. Um, but but mo- the biggest mistakes that happen, um, it goes back to building stuff that they don't want. Um, that's the biggest mistake or building what they need, not what they want. I mean, I used to, it was funny because I used to, I started out um, trying to sell social media services a decade ago, right? Well, back then people didn't believe, they always believed they could do it themselves. They absolutely thought they could do social media services themselves. They all thought that they do their Facebook posts and all, I mean, people today even do think that. So the, back then, so I, was, I started doing trainings and all that to get people to do so I said, okay. Here's, here's, I'm going to change this. I started doing public trainings and free trainings, teaching people how to use social media. So I'd get a whole bunch of people in the room. And then what I do is I pitch them SEO <laughs> and I'd sell, cause SEO is too difficult. I would sell them the SEO. So you have to understand and make adjustments to what they're doing. Sometimes you, so that was me giving them what they wanted, which is the social media training. And then I sold them what they really needed as well was the SEO. So the search engine optimization as well, especially with local companies. I was doing Google local stuff back then. So that's what I sold them because of something that they could grasp and it's something they didn't want to mess around with. Um, so you want to understand that's one way to pivot with it. Um, another way is sometimes you try to go in adjacent industries or you go into an industry that's so far out of whack that it doesn't work. Um, it's usually it's either a marketing problem, you know, you're not you're not targeting your marketing right, or you just haven't done your your research on the front end well enough. You you haven't talked to enough people and you're you're starting, the biggest problem that happens is you're selling something people don't want. That's that's the most common problem. Um, I've had that happen. I've had courses flop. Um, I've I've had courses that I didn't really want to do that, you know, did really well. (laughs) I've had services that I really didn't want to deliver that sold really well. So I had to bring people in there to take care of those services. And it just happens. I mean, um, no matter how much we're in our industry, we're going to make some mistakes. But the more we're talking to people one-on-one, the more we're surveying our audience, um, the more we'll understand what they really what they really need and what they really want. And then we provide we provide what they want. We we sell them what they want, and we give them what they need is really the the best way to do it. Where you're still, like you said, you're talking about the goals, the dreams, the aspirations, where they want to go, what they want, and then you show them the fundamental building blocks that they need to get there. And it, you, quite often, they're not interested in knowing those until they're in the program, you know, but then you got to show them how they how they get there. Um, there's a gentleman I follow who he's always say all of his stuff is like, here's the secret marketing trick, you know, and and it's like, you know, how to do a customer avatar is the actual training. You know? <laughs> it's like, which, which to, to guys that have been marketing for 25, well, my first uh, direct mail campaign was in 1988. So I've been at this a while. Um, and, uh, um, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> for those, that's not something new, doing a customer avatar or profile. But for a lot of people, I mean, I go into a client and I say, who's your customer? And they're like, anybody. And I'm like, no, no. I, I, was doing a, I was doing a talk in front of a group of insurance agents. And I asked them that question. I said, well, sell to, you know, anybody. I said, okay, so that guy in the corner with the sign, do you want to go sell him insurance? And like, well, no. I said, okay, so we will scratch him off. Let's start talking through who you want to work with. And so we each, now not everybody wants to work with the exact same person. You know, one person wants to work with a young family. Another person wants to work with retirees. Another person wants to work with single people. You know, they have a preference. That doesn't mean they wouldn't sell insurance to anybody that knocked on their door, but we show them how they target who they want to work with and how that'll help them grow their business. It's crazy that even when we say that we, like I say, I work with consultants and coaches, but I still get realtors that, that ask that I can end up coaching realtors. You know, I end up coaching other types of businesses as well, because they're, even though all of my marketing and everything says I work with consultants and coaches, I still have other people coming to me um, for help and it'll still happen. But it's, um, it's funny that he did that where he, uh, where he's saying these are secrets and they're not secrets. But the problem, the thing is we forget within and we get into an industry and we forget how much other people don't know, you know, and we forget that 99% of the businesses out there have no idea who their customer really is. I mean, some do, 
but the bulk of them do not know who their customer is. And so often that's the first thing I help a client with. It's like, let's, let's focus on who you really are working with. Let's focus on who you understand and then make sure that we're delivering what that person needs beyond what you're already doing. Let's find other things that they need and figure out ways that you can deliver that as well. See, what's so interesting about this, Doug, is that uh, I love talking about this because so many people, you know, they, they talk about the basic side of things, yeah. but it's like that, that seven, eight feet deep kind of stuff is what I yeah. like to talk about because it's like we all understand. And even when you're, when you're leveling at a million dollars, you yeah. think you've dialed in your avatar, but it's like then you can dial it even further. And that's yeah. actually how you scale to, you know, eight, nine, 10 million, believe it or not. Yeah. And a lot of people, there's yeah. that fear base that comes in and says, well, if, you know, maybe, and I was talking to one consultant, uh, uh, one business owner, and he's, he's in the, um, um, the, oh gosh, what is it? The, the YouTube ad space. Okay. okay and that's yeah. his, his retainer. And he I said, okay, well, you can work with, you know, coaches, consultants, service providers. Cool. But yeah. what if you dial it all the way in and just work with coaches, even deeper yeah. self-improvement coaches, right? All of yeah. a sudden now what happens is, you know, what funnel they need, you know, what yeah. offer they need, you know, what YouTube ads, you know, all yeah. those structure. And now what happens is you increase the price and you've yeah. dialed it down. You don't, you don't work with health coaches. You don't yeah. work with real estate. You don't work with anything else. You work mm -hmm. only with this and all of a sudden increase the price. And then that's how you scale because now all of a sudden operationally on the back end, it becomes so systematic and so easy. Yeah. And yep. then even on the front end, the acquisition yeah. is just so easy because you know exactly their pain. You, hey, yeah. are you a coach with high self-importance, blah, blah, blah. And you're struggling with this, this, and this, like, you know, exactly who you're talking exactly, to. Exactly. Yeah. You're speaking, uh, and, speaking and, their language. Right. Right. And, and what I found so interesting is even when they're at a million dollars, just like you said, mm -hmm. they, they're successful and they got some acquisition. They got some people coming to them, mm -hmm. but it's like one of those things, it's a discipline. And mm -hmm. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about this. You, you have 10, 15 people that you love to work with. Yeah. But if, if you only had one or two, who would mm -hmm. those be? Right. And that, that have the lowest operation on the back end. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because all the other eight you yeah. want to work with, you love to work yeah. with. Right. But your attention only has um, so much you know, yeah. bandwidth. Right. Um, uh, an example, uh, in the four-hour work weeks, talking about that, one of the things Tim did when he, when he was able to get his business down to the four-hour work week is he looked at all of his customers. He had a hundred and some wholesale customers. And he looked at it and he realized that like four of them were like 85% of his sales. So he went, oh. And he just got rid of all the others and focused on those four of them and worked on and changed all of his marketing to try to get more like those four. And, you know, that's the thing that scares a lot of businesses. It's like, no, get rid of those customers, get rid of them. You know, the ones that, the ones that uh, are not providing you the, the best value, the ones that, I, I mean, I've had clients, I've done a call with them and I've sent them their money back. I mean, cause I just realized that, you know, we were not a fit. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, you're going to find quite often that the client, ideally, the people that you love the most are the ones you make the most money off. And usually that that is true. Usually the ones that you enjoy working with the most, are the ones you're making the most money off of. And you want to look for that and figure out how you can find more people just like them. Because that's what I'd done. I had, I had an agency doing all the local, all the social media marketing, local stuff, websites, all of that. And I'd sold that to another organization and I left there and I was like, um, I was starting a software company that ended up uh, not working out. So I started consulting again and said, well, what do I, what, who do I want to work with? Who would I really like working with? Was my, I said, I really like working with Tom. He's my consultant that, that works with behavioral health care clinics. I said, I like Tom. I said, okay. Um, and then I wrote down everything I liked about Tom and what Tom looked like and, you know, business, business consultant, specialized industry, gentleman who was uh, in his 60s, you know, older and I wrote all that down. I said, okay, now where do I find more guys like that? And I said, well, LinkedIn, they're on LinkedIn. So I, so I said, okay. So then I started doing a LinkedIn strategy to generate clients. That was my, that's how I did it. And I got more, I found myself more times, you know, and now they weren't all selling behavioral healthcare clinics. It's like, I worked with a guy that uh, sold internet of things consulting. I work with a gal that's a uh, uh, fractional CTO. I, you know, I mean, but they're, it's all the same stuff basically for their business. I mean, they have the same steps they need to go through. But, you know, when we're deciding who we want to work with, we need to look at, look at those things. Look at where your revenue comes from and where if, you're, if all your clients are the same price, look at who you really enjoy working with the most and, and see if we can find more of those. See if there are more of those people like that out there and just find focus on those people. Because honestly, even if even if you don't build additional revenue streams, if all you do is tighten it down to you working with people, you're happy to get on the phone with every day, 
you know, your quality of life improves and usually your income will improve as well. But, you know, there's always that thing with us, with entrepreneurs, it's like, oh, we want to add another zero, but sometimes, hey, you might be, you can be even happier doing 1.5 and have just the right customers and be working on improving your margin. And, you know, you can be thrilled doing that and really love going to work. Whereas you could get to five or 10 and hate going into work. You know, it's like um, I, my agency, it was like, you know, I'm like, oh God, we're doing, working with another dentist again. I mean, I got tired of it, you know, but I had staff that loved doing that, but I, it just drove me nuts. I'm like, I got to go speak to another dental convention. You know, it was just like, you know, I was like, I was tired of it, but you know, some people will love that and dive in deep, but you know, I'm a, I'm a strategy guy. So that's why I've realized that. And that's where I tend to focus my energies now. Well, what I love the way you think is, and I think this is so, so revolutionary because even when I was building my business, yeah, mm -hmm. I enjoyed it, but was it like the thing that I loved the most? I love podcasting. Right. And it's like the, the question you have to ask yourself is what result do you want? And yeah. then what vehicle can get that result, right? That's because right. like yeah. you just said, you may, you may enjoy 1.5 million with 80% margin yeah. instead of, you know, making a $10 million business and, and having a 40% margin, right? Hey, right. that's yeah. okay, right? Yeah. Whatever it may be. Uh, and uh, it's just dependent upon what the result is and finding that vehicle. Uh, Doug, man, I really appreciate just the, the immense amount of value that uh, that you brought uh, and really just diving deep into, you know, the marketing and the systems, the processes. Um, you know, Doug, how can our audience reach out to you and, and be part of your community and, and, and your engagement, man? There are two places. Um, one is the thoughtleaders.co. That is my, that's my course creation side of my business. Um, you can sign up and talk with me. You don't have to do a course. If you want to do a mastermind or something like that, we can do that instead. But the, the sales page is all about developing a course, all the same steps to do other things. Uh, the other side of the, um, well, and the other place really is LinkedIn. Uh, my, my name is Doug McIsaac, D-O-U-G-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And I have Doug McIsaac actually everywhere except for Snapchat. So if you're looking for me, it's at Doug McIsaac at all the different channels, uh, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, TikTok, though I haven't posted on TikTok yet. I, I'm looking at maybe doing it. Um, but uh, YouTube, all those channels. But LinkedIn is the one I spend the most time on. So um, if you're interested in seeing my content and getting to know me a little bit better, LinkedIn is a great spot to go as well. Awesome. And guys, those links will be in the description below. So make sure you click on that. Make sure you engage with that because the biggest thing is, you know, taking action, right? Implementing these things and taking action. So go ahead and take action and, and reach out to Doug and have a conversation with him and 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 just consume a lot of his content. Uh, and Doug, uh, before we let you go, is there any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience? Um, uh, don't be afraid to, to make your business smaller to make your business bigger. And that what that's that focus. That's what that's what Tim Ferriss did. You know, he chopped off a bunch of people and dropped his business down to 85%, but then he was able to catapult it up to 400%. Sometimes you need to get rid of clients that just aren't serving you well. You know, not it's not whether you're serving them or not, but they're not serving you. Don't be afraid to get rid of them to focus on the clients that you know you can help and you can move forward. Because I think that that's too often we're too worried about getting just enough money coming in, but you know, we need to get rid of the people that aren't serving us so we can focus on the people that we can really help. And sometimes you need to make your business a little smaller to make it bigger. Such valuable insight and a huge, huge value. Guys, that is Doug McIsaac. Make sure you consume his content. Make sure you click on those links in the description. And that is Journey with Christian Devon's podcast. Until next time, remember, be uncommon. If you are you an aspiring side hustler or online business owner that wants to create passive income, but you don't know where, you don't know how to start? Well, go to EvansFamilySideHustle.com, schedule a 45-minute phone conference with myself, Christian Evans, or one of my sales coaches. Again, that's EvansFamilySideHustle.com.